I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, and we are beginning in this video a new study, and this is based on 1 Timothy. We invite you to have your New Testament ready, 1 Timothy. I'm going to read 1 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. That's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Here's where I want to begin right here in the first class. This book, 1 Timothy, isn't just for preachers. We may say to young preachers, be sure you read 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. That's good. Older preachers, to maintain their understanding of the charge to preach the word, should return to these books throughout their lives. That's good, all true. But this book isn't just for preachers. Let me take you over to chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. This is about the conduct of all people in the Lord's church. It says, how one ought to behave in the household of God how one ought to behave in the household of God. In the New International Version, how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. So I would point out, evangelists are not the only ones who are to behave well in the household of God. Every member of the household of God should take responsibility to behave according to what is taught by Jesus in the New Testament, including 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. So while there is necessary instruction in this epistle for preachers and elders, all of us need to read and study 1st Timothy, 2nd Timothy, and Titus. In a good study of these books, we are able to learn and review how we ought to behave or conduct ourselves as members of the household of God. So I think we need to say that 
right in the beginning of our study of 1 Timothy. This isn't just a handbook for preachers and elders. This epistle contains instruction for every one of us. I want us to become well acquainted as we begin this study with Paul and Timothy and the location, Ephesus. The letter begins, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. Briefly, consider what we know about the apostle Paul. Well, he was not born an apostle. He was not self-appointed. He did not earn or purchase the role of apostle. In fact, before obeying the gospel, he was almost the opposite of an apostle of Christ. I want you to look down here in 1 Timothy 1 at verse 13, where he says, Formerly, I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. In harmony with this, Luke in the book of Acts tells us about Paul who was first known as Saul of Tarsus. Before becoming a Christian, Paul was, according to Acts 9 verse 1, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Luke then gives an account of Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9. Then Paul was appointed as an apostle, as stated here in 1 Timothy 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Now, this young man, Timothy, was the recipient of this letter. Let's spend just a moment or two talking about Timothy, the young man who was the recipient of this letter. He was a native of a place called Lystra. Of great interest, his mother and grandmother are named in 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, Lois and Eunice. Paul, on one of his trips, met Timothy and observed faithfulness and potential and then took him along in his work, and they became very close companions. Several passages written by Paul show his confidence and his good relationship with Timothy. Notice Philippians 2, 19 through 23. I want to pause here and let you open to that passage. Philippians 2, 19 through 23. This is Paul writing about this young man, Timothy. And you'll be impressed about the close relationship and the respect that Paul had for Timothy. Philippians 2, 19 through 23. Paul said to the church at Philippi, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. 
for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Paul didn't say this about everybody he met. The relationship between Paul and Timothy is a memorable case of a senior saint helping and nourishing a younger saint. So the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, sent this letter to Timothy. I want to talk to you about Ephesus. You heard this in verse 3, where Paul said, remain at Ephesus. Let's locate that. Ephesus was located on the continent of Asia Minor. We have a good record in the book of Acts of the gospel being taken to Ephesus, people responding, thus the formation of the local church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a center of pagan or heathen activity captured by the goddess Diana, and everything that was associated with that style of idolatry. We have a letter to the church at Ephesus. Actually, we have two letters to Ephesus in the New Testament. We have Ephesians, and then one of the letters Jesus sent to them recorded in the book of Revelation. So the Apostle Paul sent this letter to Timothy, telling him to remain at Ephesus. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, telling him to remain at Ephesus. Let's take a moment to look through that opening greeting. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As noted earlier, Paul's role as an apostle was divinely authorized. He was appointed as an apostle by command of God. Now, later there came a time when some questioned Paul's teaching and apostleship, and you read about that mostly in 2 Corinthians. So Paul is not boasting. He is responding to the reality of attacks against his role as an apostle when he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God. Often in Paul's writings when he spoke of Christ, he associated the truth about Christ with faith, hope, and love. Here, Christ Jesus, our hope. Things were not going smoothly in Ephesus. And for Timothy, but in Christ, there is always hope. Notice his address to Timothy, my true child in the faith. That reflects what we looked at earlier in Philippians 2, right? As I mentioned earlier, 
This goes to the warm and valuable relationship between the older apostle and the younger evangelist. It was a father-son kind of relationship. Timothy regarded Paul as his true father in the faith. Then the customary salutation, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, uh, no matter what kind of difficulty there may be on the earthly plane, whatever storms we have to navigate from God, we always have access to his grace, mercy, and peace. We are surrounded, protected by it. That's the opening of 1 Timothy. And I'll give you an opportunity here to pause the recording and reflect on this and go back and read those passages we've read in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and in Philippians chapter 2. And then we'll resume. I'm not going to continue verse-by-verse verse detailed exposition here. I'll have some of that for next time. But I want us to consider in chapter 1 the difficulties, the challenges for Timothy at Ephesus. We're going to take a look at that. There were reasons for alarm. Reasons for alarm. Just in chapter 1, Let's see what kinds of challenges were there in Ephesus for Timothy. Teaching different doctrines. There were men, certain persons, teaching different doctrines. And according to verse 3, Paul says to Timothy, charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Number two, there were people being devoted to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. Speculation rather than focus on the objective truth God revealed through the apostles. Number three, certain persons had swerved, were swerving, having wandered away into vain discussions, at one time, they may have been on course, but they were now off course. Number four, there were teachers who didn't understand what they were saying, and yet they were making confident assertions. No sound basis for those assertions. They didn't understand what they were saying, but they were making confident assertions. And number five, not using the law lawfully. God's law is given to identify and restrain us from that, that which would destroy us. God's law is given to identify and restrain us from sin. This is all in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and it goes to the, the environment, the situation Timothy was in. God's law is given to restrain us from, there's a list here in chapter 1, murderers, sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. This is all in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
And this indicates the challenge for Timothy and the challenge for brethren in Ephesus. Paul's message to Timothy here in chapter 1 is stay there and use the word of God to deal with these challenges. I want us to listen to this entire context now. In 1 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 11, we will get a very good picture of what the situation was for Timothy at the time that Paul wrote this letter. I'm going to read 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach a different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. This is the situation Timothy was in when Paul wrote this letter. Several takeaways I have compiled for us. When different doctrines are being taught, we cannot just be silent. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount calls upon his people to apply what I sometimes call the discipline of discernment. He said, beware of false prophets. You shall know them by their fruits. There is this fundamental essential difference between truth and error. What is taught by religious teachers is either in the Bible or it's not. And our task is to use the Bible to discern, beware, recognize. Number two, all discussion and dialogue Christians engage in, in their spiritual interreaction, must be checked for edification. Does it edify? Is there spiritual value in that discussion? 
there may be subjects we want to talk about, but when tested by Scripture, those subjects do not contribute to edification. Before we disrupt, discuss, and divide, open the Bible and ask, does it edify? Number three, avoid speculations and conspiracy theories. Those must not be our center of attention. We all know people who have become obsessed with news feeds and theories and speculation. Again, does it edify? Number four, making confident assertions is to be guarded against. If those assertions are written in Scripture, speak those. But sometimes we make confident assertions in very emotional settings but again, does it edify? Have we applied the test of Scripture? And then we must get our aim right. Verse 5, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a sound conscience and a sincere faith. After this video, I'd like to recommend that you read 1 Timothy chapter 1. And next time, in the next video, we'll take a deeper dive into verses 3 through 7. These video classes are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. Thank you for viewing.